good to see everyone. Baruch Hashem. God is good. Amen. Well, I'll tell you because I felt the Lord give me just a little word for this congregation for today, besides the message. As I was sitting and waiting to come to speak at the first service, the Lord just um, impressed upon me to tell you to keep the faith. That some might be um, wearied in your faith because of some of the things perhaps going on in your life or going on in the world, and God wants you to keep the faith. Faith is needed the most when things look the darkest. Isn't that true? Who needs faith when everything's going good? Who needs faith if we could take care of it ourselves? The fact is when we need God the most, that's when we need faith, and God wants you to keep the faith, okay? So don't be discouraged by what you see or what you hear or the things flying around about. Our trust is in the name of the Lord our God, amen, and he is faithful and true. So today, listen, I came up with the most creative title ever. You know I'm good with titles, I know. So ready? <laughs> this is my title for today's message. It's called Miracles 2020. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm terrible at titles, all right, you got me, you caught me. I figured it would better be in the substance than in the title, right? So. Um, let's pray together and ask God to speak to our hearts. Not that we would just physically hear, but we would be uh, exercise spiritual discernment to hear what the Ruach would speak to us for our lives, for our day, for our time, for our families. Amen. Say, Avinu Alkenu, our Father and our King, give me eyes to see, ears to hear a heart to perceive, and the will to obey your word that I hear today in Yeshua's name. Amen. So Hanukkah is officially over. Can't, it, it went so fast. I think we decorated, it took as long to decorate for Hanukkah to take place. Um, but here's the good news. The miracle of Hanukkah continues. Right? And it's an annual reminder of the miraculous power of God. Now, if you're like me, you love playing dreidel. I just constantly spin in that dreidel. And with every spin of the dreidel, we're declaring the miracles of God. Neskadol Hayasham, a great miracle happened there. A great miracle happened there with every spin. That's a lot of spins throughout eight days. But every spin of the dreidel, no, it's not about the latkes so much. <laughs> it's about the spinning of the dreidel. As you're spinning in that dreidel, it is a reminder of God's miraculous power. And God wants you to know that there is nothing, nothing, nothing that he can't do. And we celebrate that. And we need to celebrate this every day that we serve a God who is great and mighty and powerful. But Rabbi, there's things in my life I'm waiting for. That's okay. Because hopefully after this message, you'll be equipped to believe for your miracle. God wants you to be expectant for a miracle. Why? Because he's a miracle-working God. As a matter of fact, everyone in this room is a miracle. When you were lost in darkness, dead to God, you were born anew. Who ever thought of that? You were born anew. 
I was once dead to God, then all of a sudden, by a, a supernatural miracle of God, he regenerated my heart. Right? You don't even know how to describe it. All you know is once you didn't see, you were blind. And then he does something in you, and you could see it's miraculous. I really can't articulate it except to everyone who's had that happen knows it. It is a miracle. God is a miracle God. A great miracle happened. It was so significant for, that, for thousands of years. We've been talking about the miracle of the oil, right? The miracle of God in the lives of his people. And God wants our lives to be filled with the miraculous. God wants us to understand who we are in him. He wants us to believe him for all that he can do. We say it often that he can do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask, I love this one, or imagine. And I know that a lot of you have a great imagination. But he said he could do more than that if we believe him. Amen? So, maybe you're facing something and you need a miracle. Well, guess what? Here's the good news. God's a miracle-working God. Well, Rabbi, have you seen miracles? I've seen miracles. I've seen healings. I've seen deliverances. I've seen miracles with my own eyes. They've happened to me. God does miracles because he's a miracle-working God. So what then is a miracle? Here's a good definition. A miracle is an event occurring in the natural world observed by the senses produced by divine power without any adequate human or natural cause, the purpose of which is to reveal the will of God and to do good to man. It's not something that can be done in the natural. Even things that seem miraculous, right? We, we see things all the time like wireless communications and driverless cars, and we say, wow, that's miraculous. Yet it was done by the intervention and agency of men. That's not a miracle. A miracle is something that can only be done by God. A famous philosopher was asked this question, is it possible to believe in miracles? Well, he once said, I don't think so. He believed that miracles were so improbable that it was impossible to believe in them. To believe a miracle had occurred would require the testimony of people of such great learning that they could not possibly be deceived. Of such good character that they could not possibly be deceitful. Of such high reputation that the loss of face, if they were found to be deceitful, would be overwhelming. And with the miracle performed publicly in a celebrated part of the world, that detection of fraud would be uncovered. Safe to say he's a skeptic. <laughs> For this philosopher's view, these criteria could never be satisfied. He even admits that he knew of miracles that happened, in which were immediately proved upon the spot before judges of unquestionable integrity, attested by witness of credit, and distinction, 
in a learned age and on the most intimate theater that is now in the world. This would seem to meet his criteria, but still he insisted that there can be no miracle. Unfortunately, this sentiment sometimes occupies the minds of believers, which seems to be an oxymoron, right? We say we are believers in a God we can't see, believers in a force that we often can't feel, believers in a Messiah who is hung on a tree 2,000 years ago. So if we're believers, then we should believe. See, I believe that you and I belong to a community that believes. We believe in God. We believe in miracles. We believe in the impossible. We believe that God could do all things and that nothing is impossible with him. See, in Mark 9.23... Yeshua said something, not Rabbi Michael, but Yeshua. He said, this is a great word. It is currently my favorite word. He said, everything. Say everything. Everything. Everything? <laughs> he said, everything is possible for the one who believes. Now, I wonder if he means most things. I wonder if there's any exclusions. I'm trying to think. Now, my English isn't the best. I'm no English scholar, that's for sure. But I'm trying to wrap my mind around the word everything. And it's the same in Greek, if you were wondering. <laughs> it's everything. Everything is possible for those who believe. Isn't that good news? Everything? Yeshua, you're trying to tell me everything is possible. Even the things that people say are impossible. Like when you only have enough oil to last for a night, it can last for eight. Even when you only have five loaves and two fish to feed 5,000 people, it will last to feed 5,000. Are you trying to tell me, Yeshua, that everything is possible? Everything. I don't know of a more powerful statement that Yeshua could have made to us to inspire us to believe. Everything is possible for those who believe. So when I read that, my immediate thought is, I better get to believing. I better get to believe in everything that God speaks in his word. So I'm going to give you a couple of things to help us in this effort. One is miracles confound human reasoning. You know, after all, we are, you know, we are enlightened folk, aren't we? And too often we allow human reasoning to talk us out of God's miracle-working power. And let me give you an example in Scripture. I have a call coming in, but I'm going to ignore it. You're more important, so. 
Mm. In Matthew Yahu chapter, I forget, I don't even think I wrote the chapter, but you know the story. <laughs> um, the account goes like this. Yeshua had finished speaking some parables, and he moved on, and he was coming to his hometown. Hey, that's always a good thing, right? When you're out on the road doing your best, preaching the word of God, and you get to go home, this is going to be great. Well, he goes to his home down, and he began teaching the people in their own synagogue, his own hometown synagogue. How great. And they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers? And they asked, isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Miriam? And aren't his brothers Yaakov, Yosef, Shimon, and Yehuda? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? They took offense at him. But Yeshua said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town and in his own home. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. So this story intimates that he must have went and miracles were happening until they started to reason to themselves, wait a second, this can't be, this is, this is, Yus, this is Yussel's kid. This is, wait, slow down. This, this can't be. This can't be. No, no, his, his brothers and sisters are right here. It's sure with us. This can't happen. No, this can't be. And all of a sudden, the miraculous power, they couldn't access it. They were marveling before, but now... They couldn't access it. They reasoned themselves out of God's miracle-working power. I wonder if I've ever reasoned myself out of God's miracle-working power. You know, after all, in this world, we're, we're told all the time what can and can't be done. This is possible. That's impossible. I mean, after all, Men could do everything, right? But not God. Sounds strange to say, but that's how many think. Human reasoning is flawed. Human reasoning is, that is not, hear this, because I could hear you saying, but Rabbi, doesn't the scripture say, come and let us reason together? Yes, it does. But I'm talking about human reasoning that is not filtered through the Ruach HaKodesh. Human reasoning that is devoid of God's wisdom. You see, that type of wisdom or reasoning is dangerous because it brings people to a place where they think they can't hear from God and it leaves them living a life of trial by error. Trial and error. And they live a life 
depending on what human agencies can do for them, or they begin to believe that they can only expect what can be done through human effort. Friends, just take a look in our world. So many people rely on what others can provide for them, do for them, supply for them. Even many believers in our country are afraid of what may happen. What if the economy collapses? What if this happens? What if that happens? Well, pick the worst case scenario. If it happens, I'm going to make a prediction. God is going to take care of you. How? Don't know. <laughs> Somehow, some way you will be cared for. Somehow, some way you'll survive. Somehow, some way you'll eat, you'll have a roof over your head, and God will supply all your needs according to his glorious riches. Why is that? Because God could do for us what no one else can do. We don't have to look to other things. Yes, we do our part. We go to work, thank God. Right? But ultimately, God is our source. Amen? You see, human reasoning devoid of God's wisdom destroys the possibility of miracles. The Bible, and I'm going to show you in a second, is filled from, be from beginning to end, pillar to post, miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. Matter of fact, um, Thomas Jefferson, hate to say it, wrote a Bible and he took out all the miracles of God. What a boring read that is. <laughs> I mean, that's the one Bible I don't like. There's no hope in that Bible. But in the real Bible, it's filled with miracle after miracle after miracle. What are you telling us, God? Are you trying to convey to me that you could do the impossible? With man, things are impossible, but with God, all things, everything, all things are possible. Oh. You see, human reasoning is devoid of God's spirit. It is devoid of the impossible. See, Romans 8 tells us, for to be carnally minded is death but to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity against God, hostile toward God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. So then those who are in the flesh or of a carnal mind are always reasoning themselves out of a miracle, cannot please God because God rewards faith. Who has believed our report. The very prophecy about Messiah begins with a declaration that it's found by faith. Who has believed this fantastical story that I'm going to weave? That a virgin will conceive and bear a son and, and, and he will be the Mashiach of Israel. He will come and deliver my people. That all who believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. That they will be raised from the dead in the final day. Let me give you a second thing to chew on. God is immutable. God is immutable. It just means he doesn't change. 
Hebrews 13 and 8 says, Yeshua the Messiah is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what does that mean? He's the same. Well, when he came and walked this earth, he did great things. Matter of fact, Acts 10.30 says that Yeshua of Nazareth was filled with the Ruach HaKodesh in power and went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil because God was with him. And he's the same today, yesterday, and tomorrow, and the day after that, and next year, and next month. And if the world falls apart and if the world holds together in this age and the age to come, he doesn't change. Isn't that encouraging? That our faith is built on a God who is immutable. He doesn't change. He's not fickle. He's not up and down. He loves you today. Maybe not tomorrow because your actions weren't that good. No, God is the same. He loves us. He's for us. He's with us. His power is available today just like it will be tomorrow. He doesn't change. Malachi 3.6, but... Because I, Adonai, do not change. Why are we hopeful about our people, Israel? Right here, Malachi 3.6. Because I, Adonai, do not change. You sons of Yaakov will not be destroyed. That's why we're here today. Oh, Israel, yeah, I'm surrounded. Yeah, it's dangerous. Who cares? <laughs> I mean, really. Um, we will not be destroyed. Because God's able but whatever is good and perfect comes to us from God, the creator of all light. And he shines forever without change or shadow. He doesn't change. So what am I saying? The God that you read about in the Besserot, the God that you read about in the scripture is the exact same God today. Are you trying to say, Rabbi, that he could split the waters of in two, and I could walk through it on dry ground today? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He could. He could do it again. He could do whatever he wants. Bob Mead Bar 23 and 19. God is not man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. He has said, and will he not do it? Or he has spoken, will he not fulfill it? Right? God, this is so easy. God said it. God will do it. The next part of the equation is, I believe it. He said it. He'll do it. And he requires us to believe it. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Avraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. How old was that youngster? A hundred and ninety were the ages of Sarah and Avraham. A hundred and ninety. Anyone signing up for that? God, no. <laughs> but that was the promise. Man, that sounds, that sounds, you believe that, Rabbi? Yep. <laughs> believe every word. And so did Yeshua. 
Because then when the Messiah came, he references many of these stories that seem fantastical in the Tanakh. Because he's saying, I believe in them too, because I know they're true. Moshe parts the Red Sea. Where'd he go? <laughs> Moshe parts the Red Sea. He stretched his hand over the sea, and for the whole night the Lord drove back the waters, and they walked on dry ground through the Red Sea. Then they were hungry. A couple of million Jewish folks are hungry. I don't have to say anything else. That's funny. They're hungry. And they're convention to Moshe. That's why he had a job and a half. And what happens? Does God say, uh, two million, that's too many. Yes, I guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to rain down bread from heaven. And you're going to eat. Take all you want. There's only criteria to take one for a day. Why? Because you're going to learn that you can trust me because it'll be there tomorrow. But if you try to get greedy, it's going to rot. But every day you have to trust me. Every day for your sustenance, you have to trust me, not anyone else. Not your own ingenuity, me. Is that something God is telling us today? You have to trust me every day for all your needs. How about Yonah and the great fish? That sounds like a pretty good miracle to me. Matter of fact, my son was telling me, because my son's taken Acadian. <laughs> And that when they were going through, they're going through the Gilgamesh epic because that's a good way to learn Akkadian is through that epic. That's how the, the ancient scribes learned Akkadian. So as they go through it, the professor stops them and he said, you see this word here? This is the word where they get fishmen. It means fishmen and it was the deity of the Babylonians. And they would go to the river and they would like summon these fish. This one thing, and they even have pictures of men with big, you know, fish heads. And he said, that's why Jonah, now this is a professor, he's a Harvard professor, he's not a believer by any stretch of the imagination, but he said, this is like the story of Jonah, why they were so impressed with him, that he came out of the deep from a fish. And it spoke to their society, and they were blown away. And they listened to Yonah's message. Wow. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yes, when God, when that fish coughed up old Yonah, he was looking a little ragged, but the people of Nineveh were, whoo, right? Blown away, wow. What about Messiah's virgin birth? Isn't it funny today that technically a woman today could have a virgin birth? 
but God can't do it. <laughs> do you believe that anymore? Of course God can do it. Daniel in the lion's den. Yeshua turns water into wine. He feeds the multitude with five loaves and a few fish. He walks on water and encourages Kepha to do the same. Miracle, we could go here hour on end, miracle after miracle after miracle on Elisha and the axe and the floats and the craziness from beginning to end. What about something, you know, modern, Rabbi? Well, how about this? Grayson Kirby looked like he was going to die. He was thrown from a demolition derby car. And the accident left him in a coma. His lungs were crushed. Nearly every single bone in his body was broken. His brain suffered multiple strokes and hemorrhages. His kidneys were failing. And if he did wake up, the doctors say he would be a vegetable at best. But his family refused that diagnosis. They said no. We're going to pray, and God is going to raise him up. And they begin to pray, and they solicited prayer from all over the country and friends and so on and so forth. And they, you know, day after day, it seemed like nothing changed. Kirby was the same, if not a little worse. It looked like it was just inevitable for his life to be over. And then one day, the doctors get an idea. Let's hook up. Kirby to the machine that's usually used for transplant patients. Let's just hook him up and see what happens. And all of a sudden, Kirby gets better and better and better and better and better and better and better. And Kirby lives. And he wakes up and he sees his face of his father. He tells his father, I love you. And then he said, I know that God saved me. And I know that prayer and believing saved me. See, it's not just prayer alone, because you could, you know, you know those folks that, oh, yeah, I'll pray for you. Prayer and believing. Have you ever prayed a prayer you didn't really believe? Be honest. <laughs> well, you know, you kind of pray it, but, you know, kind of wishing and a hoping, you know, one of those. Prayer and believing. Do you pray and believe? That's a big difference. And that's why we spend so much time. 30 years we hear just about. She's here longer. <laughs> Not a gal. Talking really the same principles. We just sang that song in the worship. To know you, to know you. That's the cry of my heart. Spirit, reveal him to me to hear what he's saying that brings life to my bones. To know you, to know you alone. That's what it's about. All these men and miracles that we talked about came from people who knew God. They knew him. 
really knew him. Knew him. And for those people, the impossible becomes possible. How do the three Hebrew boys not be afraid to be thrown in to a blazing fire because they knew God? And when you know God, you realize there's nothing impossible for him. And even if it doesn't work out the way you think it should, you understand that in God's wisdom, you still win. In death, doesn't it say, we win? Right? They thought they got the Messiah, finally. He's dead and buried. Not so quick. And God forbid, when we pass from this earth, and people say and mourn us and say, oh my gosh, he shouldn't have, they shouldn't have died. But guess what? Did they die? Or did they step into eternity filled with life everlasting? That is the ultimate victory. I think from this short list of signs and wonders, we could clearly conclude that God is a miracle-working God. He's the same God as he was, as we read. And that means he's the same God for you and for the miracle you need. I'm sure there are a few miracles needed in this room. And miracles come in all sorts of shapes and sizes. And some people need miracles and relationships and finances and health and a slew of other things. But the good news is God is a miracle-working God over all those things. So how do miracles occur? We talked about belief. It's crucial. You have to believe. I love one man of faith summed up his life in two words. Only believe. See, we talked about the skeptical mind. You know, the human reasoned mind. That doesn't believe anything. It talks. They tried. It talked themselves out of the miracle of Yeshua doing miracles in their midst. But for the believer, we only believe in a God that can do everything. Remember, we opened up with that. Yeshua said, everything is possible for those who believe. You should put that on your refrigerator. Not for that reason. <laughs> you say, yeah, that, that 20 pounds, not possible. <laughs> no, that's not what I meant. <laughs> Miracles occur through expectation. Someone wrote, so many people do not like to raise their expectations because they don't want to be disappointed. You ever been there? Don't pray for healing. Just pray that the doctors will know what to do. Well, I believe that God intercedes where there's faith. Faith is an expectation. It's an understanding of who God is and what he's capable of. 
God is capable of things that you're incapable of. He's capable of things mankind is incapable of. So you can plug in any need that you have or ever will have, and God is capable of meeting that need. And it is this type of expectation. Let me talk to you about expectation. How many people have the UPS or the FedEx guy to your house one or two times a month now because everything, right? Right? Or week. See, in my house, my mother, she lost one of her legs due to severe atherosclerosis. So she would sit on the couch and watch QVC. And we, had, we were on a first-name basis with the UPS guy coming and going, and the package in and out and in and out. But even today, if I order something online, I check my account, and it says it's coming Tuesday between 12 and 5. Can I tell you, on Tuesday, I am expecting that package to come. In the afternoon, I have an ear, I'm working away, with an ear open, boom, it dropped. Matter of fact, my phone told me that I got a mad package today while we're here. See, and, but I'm expecting that package to come. It should be here any minute. That's expectancy. Now, think about when you pray to God, is that the same type of expectancy you have? Why has the rabbi been telling me, haunting me for all these years about having faith, about building my faith, about growing in God, getting to know God, because that type of expectancy cannot be just given, it is grown. When you get to a point where you know, like the Hebrew children, they knew, hey, God's going to do it. And even if he doesn't, he's going to do it. That's what they were saying. Even if he doesn't, he will. Because he's God. He's going to do it. They were expecting. They knew, hey, that is coming today. When you pray, do you believe it's coming? See, there's one thing to believe God can. Can I tell you? That's cop-out faith. Sorry. I know God can do it if he wants to somehow, some way, someday. Oh, God can do anything. That's not really faith. Faith is God will do it. How do you know? Because I know him. Because he said, everything is possible for those who believe. So my job is to believe and expect it to happen. And how do you get that? Through spending time with Yeshua. To know him. Really know him. I can, can I tell you, I really know my wife. I told my wife, Carol, I need this done by tomorrow. I could say that to whatever it is. I could say it and go about my business. And I know that I know, that I know, that I know what I asked her is going to get done by tomorrow. I don't have to wonder. I wouldn't be anxious at night. I would go to bed, wake up, crack my knuckles, and just wait for it to happen. Why? Because I know her. 
And I know when I ask her something like that, and she knows that I'm serious about it, that it's going to happen. That's when you know someone. That's how it works. That's how God works. He's faithful. I can tell you honestly, in all my years working with the Lord, there is not one time that God has let me down. Now, have I let God down? Sure. Has God let me down? No. No. Not ever. Has there been times when I think, boy, this might be the first? Sure. Matter of fact, I say this one all the time, but because I'm standing here and I'm looking at the front stoops, I remember looking on the, or sitting on those front stoops when they were just dirt. And this was a shell of a building. And we had no money left, zero. And I said to God, hey, God, I'm pretty sure you said <laughs> to build this. And we stepped out in faith to build it. But God, there is not a single penny left. What do you think? That's it. Got up, got back to work, and one day we're working in this room, actually. And someone that I had helped disciple earlier, a Jewish believer, Hey, 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 how you doing? Can you come down? I say, yeah, sure, give me a second. I'm thinking, wow, the kid needs some help. Maybe he needs prayer, he's in a bind. So I just scurry down the scaffolding, goes in there, come down. And he hands me a tight wad of $100 bills that thick. And they weren't spongy. <laughs> And I'm like, humana, 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 humana. God told me to stop by and give this to you. And that fellow went on to give us the rest of the money we needed to finish the building. What do you think of that? <laughs> I always get asked that question after I tell that story. Do you have his number? <laughs> Listen, we like you were blown away by God's, God, God's faithful. But can I tell you, we've gotten a lot of large gifts. Like we, you know, so, so people give $10,000. That's a large gift, right? $5,000. Wow, that's a lot of shackles. But to be given 50, what, how much was it? What more than that? 100,000 dollars. No, I never got a gift that big. What do you say? But wow, God could do it. <laughs> he found us. Remember another time we were. Um, it was when we were in the old building. Finances were tight. 
So me and Rabbi Carol go home to her home in Missouri. I'm right from, I'm from Long Island, by the way. <laughs> um, we go home to Missouri and, you know, we're in the sticks. Although it's Kansas City, but we're in the little rural congregation, right? They were asked to speak on a Wednesday night and we said, sure, sure, we'll speak. And we go there, we'll speak, we'll talk about Israel and all that sorts of stuff. And there's five, maybe five or six people in, in, yeah, all Carol's family. There's a couple people there. So we had the service, and the pastor calls me into the office. Here, I want to give you this. Oh, thanks. You know, I'm thinking, oh, thanks, probably $50 or whatever. Thank you so much. God bless you, you know. Because we're not about the money. We do it for nothing, you know. <laughs> That's we, we, We're God's servants, you know. We're not for sale. We'll do it for anyone, for any time, anywhere. So thank you so much, and we leave, and we open the envelope, and it was $1,000. So though we couldn't get paid <laughs> that week because the congregation, and know what God spoke to my heart right and said, no matter where you are, no matter what you're going through on this earth, I will get to you what you need when you need it. So what does that mean? It means we can expect God to do miracles. Someone wrote this, if you expect nothing, you will get nothing. Praying for others is important to God. Nevertheless, the expectation of the person needing the miracle is just as important as the expectation of the one praying. Friend, this all comes through really knowing God. All the things we talk about all the time, reading. Why is the reading the Bible? I, I could k- k- tell you literally countless times. So people always ask, you know, we're up here, we, you know. You ever get discouraged? Absolutely. How often? Often enough. <laughs> I mean, just turn on the TV today, and you'll be discouraged if you, you know, look for more than 30 seconds. Yeah, I get discouraged, sure, like anyone else. But how do you keep going? I'll tell you how I keep going. Because I could go into my time of devotion totally discouraged, saying, God, it's just overwhelming. Life is overwhelming. You ever been overwhelmed by life? And God will, I'll I'll get a scripture in my mind, and I'll be like, scripture, whatever. And I'll go even all right, yeah, open the scripture, just annoyed and discouraged, and I look down at the scripture, and all of a sudden the spirit of God will just start to warm my heart because that scripture is every single thing that I've been talking to God with is articulated back to me with a message of hope that if I told you, you couldn't come up with a more perfect scripture. And that has happened countless upon countless upon countless times in my walk with God. But part, half of the issue is getting to that place of being alone with God and giving him the opportunity to speak to your heart. Guess what? If you never sit, guys, I did not, I was discouraged, but I was discouraged with my Bible open. I was discouraged but singing a song of praise. 
with my Bible open and being discouraged. I was discouraged. But God got to me everything I needed because I put myself in the right position. And what happens is when you're consistent doing that, now I know if you were to tell me, yes, God is going to do it. How do I know? Because he's done it over and 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 over again. Does that mean I never get discouraged anymore? No, of course I do because the enemy is relentless. (laughs) But I'm quickly encouraged because God has my number. And if you need a miracle, you need to pray with expectation. Remove doubt, remove fear, remove unbelief, and pray in faith, believing God. Come into his presence with faith, believing with great expectation that the impossible is possible with God. Some of you in this room need a miracle. You want a miracle. Your desire is for God to move in your life. You know what? God wants to move in your life, in your family, in your situation. Someone said this, expectation is the breeding ground for miracles. Just like we're expecting that now when I go home, I'm expecting that box is going to be on my front door because my phone told me. Well, God's told me a lot of things too. And I believe them. And so should you. Have we gone a long time already? Yeah, my wife's saying yeah. I'm going to leave you just with a scripture to read. I'll just summarize it right now. What really is a good poignant scripture for this truth is Remember when um, Kepha and Yochanan were going to the temple to pray and there was the man sitting there by the gate beautiful and uh, he's begging. But the Bible says he was expecting to receive from Kepha and Yochanan. Now, he might have even been expecting to believe receive some money because after all he was begging but he was expecting and Kepha and Yochanan said well silver and gold I don't have but what I have I'll give you in the name of Yeshua from Nazareth and he grabs him and I told this to the earlier crowd that when you grab someone who is lame it's like a sack of potatoes you know it's like they don't move and he grabbed him and he pulled him up and the began his feet came right under him and he began leaping and jumping and praising God and it is that expectation on both sides of the ball so to speak the shaliachim reached out in faith expecting God to move the fella on the ground was expecting to receive and powerful things happened. That's how miracles happen in our lives. When we go to God expecting for things to happen. 
I want you to think of your life. Think of the things you need. Think of the things you want to happen in our world, in our country. Right? God is bigger than everything. God is never taken off guard. He's not, oh my gosh, it's so bad in the world. What am I going to do? <laughs> God looks at the world and he laughs and he says, I got it covered. Trust me. Expect me to do things that are beyond your ability. Everything is possible for those who believe. Amen? So let me leave you with four practical things we could do to develop and encourage expectant hearts. Begin to confess the truth and promises of God over your life. Confess them over your life. Because guess what? Otherwise, what do you think the news and those things are doing over your life? Oh, yeah, they're confessing negative things over you. So you might as well confess the truth of God's word over you and your life. Okay, it's not positive thinking. It's not. It's truth over your life. Secondly, thank God for his workings in your life. You should be, in this room, the most thankful people on the planet. There should be no one on this earth, no one you work with that's more thankful than you, that you know the living God of the universe who caused you to be born again. What? Yes, you, the most thankful person. Number three, take action. Begin to act upon that which you confess and speak over your life. Act like it's true, because it is. Act like it's true. Act like you're going to get that package from God when you go home. Act like it. And then number four, associate with other people who believe and confess the word of God. See, this is our problem. We, we come here and we get encouraged. Then we go and we hang out with people that are the naysayers. Or maybe we spend a lot of time at work with the naysayers. And those naysayers just overwhelm us. You can't take much of that. Words are powerful. There's power of life and death in the tongue. That's what the scripture says. Those who love it will it eat fruit. And otherwise, it could beat the tar out of you. It could beat the faith right out of you. And that's why you surround yourself with truth, with people who speak truth, who actually believe God is a miracle-working God. Well, I'm here to tell you he is. I've seen it. I've told you a couple of miracles that one you're sitting in right now is because God is faithful. Amen? So with that said, you need to understand that miracles are hindered by human reasoning, so forget that. God does not change. He's the same and that miracles occur in the atmosphere of expectation. And you can do that in Yeshua's name. So let's stand on our feet. And maybe you need a miracle today. Why don't you take a second and just articulate that to God. Take a second. Close your eyes if that makes you feel better. Close your eyes and articulate that need that you have, that miracle you need to God. And tell him, God, I believe you will do it. Not that you can do it. God, I believe you will do it. God, I know I expect you to move in my life and in my world and in my family and in this place. God, I thank you that there is nothing too difficult for you. God, I thank you that everything is possible for those who believe. Abba, we give you praise and glory and honor. We thank you for sending Yeshua, our Messiah, for us, for paying the penalty for our sin. Abba, we thank you, God, that you have set us free by the power of your Ruach, and you filled us to go and be a light in this dark world.
Father, I pray that you would help us, that you would infuse us with more and more faith and expectancy as we spend time with you, as we sit in your presence, that we would know you, Lord, better and better each and every day. Father, bless these people, I pray. In Yeshua's name. Your air, I do not pon of a lechavicunecha. He saradonai pon of a lecha. The simlecha shalom. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you. Sweet shalom. Father, give them health. Father, give them favor. Father, give them wisdom. Lord, give them faith and expectation, Lord, that it would grow and multiply in their spirits. Lord, that they would be the most encouraged people, Lord, on this earth. And Father, we thank you in advance. B'Shem Yeshua and God's people said, Amen. Thanks for listening. Shabbat shalom.